it's about understanding yourself and what gives you your kicks in some cases in some people it, it's money it's travel it, whatever that is then find a job that will suit what it is that you enjoy one of the early bits of career advice i heard which i've always, has always stuck with me was when your sort of teenage early years is don't actually overthink the process just go and get a saturday job and if you don't like it go get another one until you've tried all sorts of different things and you find one that you actually really enjoy. Are you searching for your ideal career, fed up of your daily grind, or simply want to hear some inspiring stories? Then you've come to the right place, because it's time to do a job you love. It's time to get work savvy. Welcome to an in-depth episode of the Get Work Savvy podcast. I hope that you're well, and I hope you're looking forward to hearing more about Neil, who we featured in episode 32. If you haven't listened to that episode and you haven't got time to consume this entire episode, then why not go back and check it out? And if you have listened to Neil's story already, then hang about because he shares so much more than what we featured in episode 32. If you like the show and you're listening for the first time, then don't forget to subscribe to be updated when new episodes are released. We'd love to hear your feedback, so if you do have the time, a rating and review in Apple Podcasts would help the show no end. And equally, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Get Works Abbey. And without any further delay, let's hear more about Neil's story and how he found himself starting and building our boards. So hi to Neil and welcome to the Get Works Abbey podcast. How are you doing today? Absolute pleasure. I had a really good day today. Excellent. Looking forward to sharing with you, yeah. <laughs> it's always good when you have a good one. So thanks so much for coming on and being a guest on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and explain to the listener what it is that you do? My name is Neil Hayward Shutt. I run a startup business that's been going for just over a year called Our Boards. We make and design resources for people with learning disabilities, people who are autistic, people who have dementia. And some of those lessons we then take through into boards for businesses as well. Ways of sharing and representing information. So all to do with displaying information visually. Excellent. I've seen some of your products and I think it's such a great venture that you've started. And I'm so glad that you're making a success and a go of it. So first of all, congratulations for taking it as far as you have. Thank you. Would I be right in saying that growing up, this isn't something that you imagined yourself? (laughs) (laughs) you would be absolutely right it was never on the list there were a few things certainly not this one no uh, growing up I think for most of my childhood I wanted to own a restaurant I knew absolutely nothing about it and the more I have found out about it that was a really dumb idea (laughs) but actually that's what I wanted to do own a a restaurant in the west end of London excellent yeah I suppose realizing that the uh, unsociable hours but yeah that was my aspiration Fantastic. So you moved away from the restaurant uh, business. Yep. Take us through your journey then. How have you ended up to where you are today? What did you begin off doing? From sort of back end of school, I did things like business studies and wanted to go into something commercial and that was about as much as I knew. So I then went to university and did an engineering and management degree production engineering, I thought, rather than just business studies, which I thought would be a little bit airy-fairy, I'd do something that's a bit grounded. So it was an engineering, but I wanted some management. So I went to university, had a great time. I did qualify. I didn't get a first, but I did qualify. 
and I came out of university with an engineering, manufacturing engineering degree, just about the time that an awful lot of it, manufacturing was stopping in the UK and it was going abroad, which wasn't fabulous timing. So I then got a job in what was then the fledgling computer software industry, doing software for manufacturing companies. I did a bit of support, a bit of programming, worked for a small company, a lot of fun, and worked in software, various different companies, various different roles, probably up until about 15 years ago when I first set up my own business. It was an IT contractor, so probably four or five companies I'd worked for. Loved IT, still quite like techie stuff, and got into that working for myself as a contractor for local businesses, small businesses, home users, people who didn't particularly understand and didn't want to. So I would go in and add printers, look after the basic office systems. That was all fine. And all the while with an eye out for having something with a bit more longevity. The issue with being a contractor or a consultant, anything like that, is you're selling your time. So if you want that to have any kind of growth, you either have to employ other people or you have to work longer hours. And there is only so many hours. So I've always been looking out for a product of some sort. Then through various reasons, our boards came along. Fantastic. I mean, that's a great little snippet into the journey you've taken and nail on the head with when you're the consultant. Yeah. It sounds glamorous and it sounds great, but there's only so far you can go without, like you say, employing some people or working every hour that God gives. And if you employ people, then you are responsible for the quality of their work. So you then need to spend more time managing them, less time on your own work. And if you've got two or three other people, then they're not earning enough money for you to have the overhead of managing them and all that kind of stuff. That's a really hard place to be on your own. So you would normally do that with maybe a couple of partners, but that was not something I ever fancied doing. Mm. So what I did do, I really enjoyed being a contractor and I absolutely made it work for me. So we were chatting earlier and we were talking about sort of moving house and so on. Mm. So you either increase your hours and your income to suit your outgoings or you reduce your income to suit your outgoings and get them to match. I tended to go for the lifestyle, enjoy going out for coffee during the week with my wife, flexible with the other things that I did. I'm quite involved with a local church and that takes up a bit of my time. My daughter has learning disabilities, so I want to be there for her and to take her to day centre and various things, pick her up and so on. So I made self-employment work for me. I didn't work all the hours. I didn't want to manage other people. I wanted not so much a job as a lifestyle and enough money to fund that lifestyle. Getting work to work for you sounds absolutely ideal. Absolutely. And I would recommend that to anybody. Yeah, I think that so many of us overlook that and we almost think of work as something that we have to do and must do. But if we're able to get that balance where we're able to have a good lifestyle cut your cloth accordingly and not necessarily just go for the dollar symbols yeah and try and balance up what you want to do with something that is able to support you with that then that's fantastic it sounds like you had a great balance there 
it's one of those things that kind of school and society and culture doesn't necessarily teach so that when you get your first house your second house once you have that mortgage then those choices tend to be a lot more limited yeah <laughs> you have to kind of start off or is it happened later on in, in life for me you have to be in a position where you are able to make those choices before you can you know, make the most of it mm. i was very fortunate i didn't have a mortgage when i was sort of mid late 30s 40 and that really does make a difference yeah so i'm not quite in that kind of pretending world that everybody get oh yes they'll just decide to do that it doesn't quite work like that yeah unfortunately the bills do dictate a lot of things <laughs> yes they do but if you are lucky enough to be in that situation it sounds yeah instead of like trying to go over and above what you've already got yeah like realizing that you're happy enough and living life to its fullest from there i think it's a great idea absolutely about contentment and quality of life yeah i know so many people that they live in a lovely house or a lovely area, but they've gone for that next thing and, and it's really stretched them. And it's, yeah, yeah, it, like from the outside in, I know it's easier talking about somebody else's position, but you're just like, you've got a great life. Yeah. Why are you pushing the envelope as it were? But yeah, it, it's sort of when you are buying a house, when you're sort of making those commitments and getting a car, people don't sort of stop and say, well, what happens if you hate the job you're in? The job that's funding that house, if you hate it, and you now no longer have a choice and you can't necessarily get another job with that same salary, then is that going to be a good position? And most of us don't even think that way. It's, I need to get that bigger house. I need to get that better car or whatever. So, Yeah, I remember having a conversation with a car salesman. I brought a brand new car because it was a good mm. deal for me at the time. Yeah. And I couldn't wait to stop paying those monthly payments. And the salesman was like, he didn't know what to say when like, he was like, oh, I've got a cheaper deal for you, a nicer car, this, that and the other. Yeah. I was like, but can that all come at a cost of zero? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Was like, well, no, of course not. But <laughs> that's what, like, my card's suitable for what I need. So, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, why am I going to be doing that? But, yeah. Anyway, let's get back onto this journey and, and to how you've discovered your career, well, your new company of our boards. Yes. You mentioned your daughter. I'm assuming that's played a big part in you moving from that consultancy world into this kind of line of work. It has. It's played a part, not as big as you would obviously think it would. Okay. The start of the, to do with the marketing, the IT stuff that I did and got dragged into a bit of marketing, was doing a project with whiteboards, which we printed up as mobile phones. So it's about three foot by two foot, something like that. Print up the mobile as a mobile phone. And the area that would be the screen of the mobile phone we used, we had sort of self-clean, sticky sheets that we used for printing inspirational messages. And you'd be able to use that for a standard, nice inspirational stuff or you kind of product strap lines and that sort of thing. We thought this was quite good. And the guy I was working with dropped one of these boards off at my house, sort of sample, see how it was. My wife took one look at it and said, I'm having that for school. My wife was, at the time, she was an intervention teaching assistant. So working with six and seven-year-olds that were starting to get behind on their maths, get behind on their English and so on. So she would take them out of the class and do lessons, extra sort of catch-up lessons. And she thought the kids might kind of like something a little bit different. So she took it into school and the activities that she would normally do on paper, she started doing on this, basically a whiteboard printed as a phone. And the kids absolutely loved it. And they would do their catch-up lessons in a way that they just wouldn't do it when it was paper. 
So we kind of filed that one. Well, that's quite interesting. And then she kept doing that and then came back and said, well, actually, instead of printing the middle bit blank, like the screen, could I have squares on it? Could it like, like a 10 by 10 square for number games and a particular layout for English? I thought, well, yeah, of course you can. But to be honest, just get it off Amazon, you know, search number square, dry wipe. But there wasn't, there was nothing like that on Amazon. So then the start to think, oh, okay, maybe there is some for a business there. Then when the daughter came in, she goes to a day centre. So I phoned up the manager of the day centre and said, thinking about possible opportunity doing products for people with learning disabilities and just kind of vaguely wondering, can I come and have a chat with you? So I went in. There were a couple of things that we did for her, printed some boards specifically for her, including one which was a calendar of the week's activities for the day centre. So I took that in. And one of the uh, particularly unique features that we had and we were just playing with is the fact that instead of printing the whole thing on the board, we printed little pockets, UPVC plastic pockets, so you could print your own little picture of what the activity was, slot it in the pocket, and then put it on the calendar. Fair enough. So three activities in the morning, three in the afternoon, six per day. I gave her large board of a metre by a metre 20, and I would say five, six, 30 pockets. Great stuff. And then she was going to print off all the activities and start using this at the day centre. I went in a couple of weeks later. A couple of the other boards we'd done, they were great, they were fine. But on the calendar, she was only using one day. So I was going, well, I'm just giving you 30 pockets. That's a little bit, you're only using six of them. I'll have the others back, thank you very much. <laughs> At which point she pointed out, actually, no, this is brilliant. Because a lot of the people at the day centre, young adults, they weren't able to take in five days' worth of information. It was just completely overwhelming. Then it just became a wall of colour to them and they couldn't see anything. So when it was only one day at a time, they would actually be able to access that information. Some of them could actually work out what was happening in the morning, what was in the afternoon. Others of them, it was just a matter of it was Monday or it was Tuesday or it was Wednesday. And then some of them, it was the first day of the week, it was middle of the week, it was end of the week, and therefore it would be the weekend tomorrow. And then a little light bulb went on that that was the key point that said visual information can really really help people to understand what's going on if you present the right things in the right way then it can cut through way too much information way too little information and you can help people to actually start to understand their week understand what's happening to them and from that all the other products started to emerge over the next kind of year or so. Absolutely fantastic. So all kudos to your wife. Absolutely. If she, if she hadn't grabbed the first one, yeah. <laughs> Good effort. I suppose, has it also helped having that kind of production background as well? It has, yes. I mean, very, very fortunate in all sorts of different ways. If I had just come back from an IT background, Mm. I had very much an understanding of systems, despite the evidence of most computer systems that don't seem to work the way that people, there is the idea behind it that you actually design systems the way that people work and process information. So there was a background of how people think. The 
opportunity from an actual production point of view came in as to when we were designing products that actually could be made easily. So there was another little light bulb moment when we made the first boards, a weekly calendar for a particular person. So rather than a, a day centre version, we did a personal version. And that was the first product that actually shipped in, started to get some kind of numbers. But the packaging was really expensive. And we're ending up buying cardboard and making our own packaging and so on. And then that little light bulb went on back from my production engineering days that said, why not make the board two centimeters smaller? <laughs> because then we can just buy a cardboard envelope, wrap it in bubble wrap, stick it in the cardboard envelope and post it. And so everything we've done since then, we've actually made the board of the size you need it and then tweak it to actually fit the packaging because that makes life so much easier. Yeah, rather than having that expensive bespoke packaging, you've likely altered the design and solved that problem. <laughs> when you're involved in manufacturing something, you really, really have to think about the processes. I've been incredibly fortunate to work with the same guy who originally was working with me on this kind of marketing project with the first mobile phone type boards. He has a real understanding of printing. He is a dyed in the wool printer. So he understands materials. He knows printing on one side of a board, printing on the other side. What are all the various technical challenges? What you can't, what you can do with certain materials. All sorts of brilliant. I would give him a task when we originally started the sheets that stuck onto the board. We used a sort of magnetic material and that was fine. But then I realized that there would be situations when you would want to take that sheet, that pocket, whatever it was, and you would want to put it on the door. You'd want to put it on the wall. You'd want to put it on the cupboard. So I sent him away. He then found a material that would do that. So kind of the take out of that is that you cannot do everything. In getting our boards going, if it hadn't been for my wife who understood schools, if it hadn't been for a background to do with processes, if it hadn't been for my daughter who actually had learning disabilities that I could test things on, that hadn't been for having a business partner who understood the manufacturing process, it would never have got off the ground. He's pulling all that together that is the skill. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think often opportunities might present themselves and it's not always the best opportunity, but when everything seems to be playing in your favour as it has here, yeah. then why not go for it? What we're kind of saying there is don't be afraid to kind of play to everybody's strengths. Absolutely. You play into your daughter's strengths because she can help you understand what works and what doesn't from her point of view. Yeah. You're relying on the co-founder to give that subject matter expertise and also like yourself in kind of your production background. So no, yeah, it makes absolute sense. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Pleasure. So what would you say your why is or what would you say your driving factor? What really makes you kind of wake up in the morning and think, yes, this is the job for me rather than going back to the consultancy? Absolutely. I was, for whatever reason, whether you treat it as karma, faith, whatever, I have a personal faith, mm -hmm. I was born with a service ethic right the way through me that probably, you know, looking back, that thing that made me want to own a restaurant and serve food, that is always what I've wanted to do, to serve and to support other people. When I was in IT, it was very much on the support side, and it's that going, seeing a need, fixing a problem, and that buzz of leaving with 
I have made life better for them. I have made their work easier for them because I've just fixed a problem. Now, a trivial level, that might be because I turned the printer on because they hadn't actually turned it on when they contacted the support department and said, you know, my printer's not working. <laughs> and it, you know, it could be something that really simple and trivial, but the buzz from having fixed somebody else's problem hadn't helped them. And the thing that gets me up every morning is that there are people with kids who are autistic, there are kids with learning disabilities, there are slightly older people normally with husbands, wives, partners, parents with dementia, and I can help them, and I know I can, because I've already got people who I'm helping, and that just keeps you going. I then start getting feedback, so little videos of seven-year-old kid playing with the board that he's just got at least he thinks he's playing what he's really doing is learning but he wouldn't use paper and pen at all until he got my board then he would use it youngsters young adults including my daughter who wouldn't be able to know what they're doing during the week and therefore are really anxious about it and i'm getting little videos i'm getting testimonials and getting little emails saying this has literally changed our family's life because practically such a silly, such a simple, ludicrously straightforward thing of just printing a pattern on a design on a whiteboard with some stickers. And that literally has changed kids' lives. And if it changes the kid's life, it changes the family's life. And you only need to get one of those every so often. And that really does keep you going. I can only imagine that feeling. Like I've... <laughs> <laughs> I remember I'd done an IT degree and for whatever reason, I couldn't get a, a job in, in the position I wanted to. And I ended up back at my supermarket. Yeah. And the amount of times I had kind of, you know, oh, you've done IT, the printers aren't working. And it was just the on-off switch. <laughs> yeah. But like the gratification that I got from that and like the kind of, oh, yeah, I'm so glad I've helped that person out. Yeah. And, and other things. But knowing that you've had such a, a positive impact and such a, an effect on those children's or those young adults ability to learn oh must be such an amazing feeling yeah awesome absolutely and then taking those kind of lessons a bit more sort of a bit closer to more like the it in as much as in a commercial world designing things to present information so having gone through the exercise of how you present it to someone who's got learning disabilities or who's autistic Actually, those same principles carry on to a board for maintenance, which might sound really odd, but if you've got a company and you're doing maintenance and there are you know, tasks to be done on a particular building each day, there are ways we can present that, the ways of structuring the board that really follow a process that just make your life easier. And to me, it's fantastic, ridiculously wonderful if it's a family that you're helping. But actually, I get a kick out of helping a maintenance manager mm. to make his day simpler. I've boards going into schools to help the team work better together for TAs covering different lessons and working with kids. Boards going into teams whereby because of the way the board is structured and the information that they use it, it's really enhancing the teamwork. And coming back from you know, a bunch of people working together and putting in a simple board as to this is how we can perhaps work better together to getting feedback that says, oh my word, everyone in the team is now so much happier. 
they're doing more, they're more efficient, they're just enjoying the role of working together better. And I just love it. Absolutely awesome. It sounds like you've found your perfect role then. Yeah. And I can relate to that. And I also like get a buzz out of helping people. And yeah, I certainly understand where you're coming from with that. It's about understanding yourself and what gives you your kicks. In some cases, in some people, it's money, it's travel, whatever that is, then find a job that will suit what it is that you enjoy. One of the early bits of career advice I heard, which which has always stuck with me, was when you're sort of teenage, early years, is don't actually overthink the process. Just go and get a Saturday job. And if you don't like it, go get another one. Until you've tried all sorts of different things and you find one that you actually really enjoy. That might be working in retail, in a shop. That might be working in an estate agent, travel agent, who cares? When you have found that one that you like, that's your career's advice. Stick with it. But just go try it. I think that's such sound advice and certainly awesome that you kept on to that one. I have to say, it wasn't my original advice. (laughs) (laughs) Was it not? It just stuck with me, I remember it. (laughs) Well, there's a reason it stuck because it's so valuable because I think that quite often people get like either directed into a line of work that they should go into because that's what somebody else perceives their skill set to be. Yes, usually parents. Yeah, Yeah, parents quite often or, or maybe following the crowd a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's such a great piece of advice to share. And and thank you for sharing that with this audience. So looking back on it then, having got to the place where you've got to, and and obviously you're super happy and proud to be where you are today, what challenges have you faced along the way? All sorts. Largely, I have to say, probably involving other people. With most jobs that I've had over the years of the journey, I've always enjoyed the job. Usually, it's the Muppets in charge Of course, at this point, I'm just hoping that none of those people are listening, but there you go. (laughs) It's the people in charge making daft rules as to how we should do business and that kind of stuff that I've really struggled with. And to an extent, I suppose I still see it less so now because I have more control over my working life and the kind of people I work with. But it's other people. I suppose from that point of view, the takeaway is to find people that you want to work with. And life is just way too short. If you don't like the people you're working with, go find some you do. It really does make a lot of difference. Yeah, I've got experiences of that myself. And yeah, absolutely agree. And I think kind of that mirrored with the previous piece of advice of trying different things to suit you. Yeah. That coupled with also find people that you are happy working with as well, because you can have people that you're happy with, but if it's not satisfying you in what you're doing, then it needs a change and, and vice versa. Absolutely. So yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. I'd say kind of knock on effect of that is I read an awful lot about resilience mm. being a really key thing for, particularly for starting your know, business, but, but generally in life, resilience is a massive thing. If you don't surround yourself with people that you like working with and spending time with, if you don't find a market sector, a job environment that you enjoy, then you're going to need a stack load more of the resilience. And some people can handle that, but you can reduce the requirement if you get those other major decisions right. Absolutely. So thinking about where you've come, yep. would you do anything differently given the chance? Within the IT side, 
probably i'm not a massive one for regret i'm one for someone i tend to be the sort of every time you make a mistake you learn from it and you move on so if there were things that i would say oh no i'd like to change that i would have done that differently then i wouldn't have learned and i wouldn't know the things that i do and be in the position i am so i don't tend to regret those things so i don't particularly look back to change them which could of course just be a short memory <laughs> i think it's more of a deliberate policy would i do things in terms of setting up our boards almost certainly not the only caveat is and i still kind of debate with myself about this is the way that i've done it is to set up very small and build and self-finance and so on which is a very slow very hard work process mm. had i known a bit more year and a half two years ago i might have gone for finance at the time and gone for investment mm -hmm. in order to be able to help and support a lot more people a lot more quickly and to get the message out there would i have done it differently i don't know i would certainly have looked at it a lot more seriously absolutely i think to an extent like you say as long as you've learned from the experience you've gone through yeah absolutely fantastic and you'll always have the benefit of hindsight yes but ultimately you're doing what you're enjoying and you're making a success of it and yeah so something to consider potentially if somebody's thinking about launching a product yes out there so thanks for sharing that looking back over your career and and now having started your our boards business what would you say your proudest moment has been getting an email from a parent who i kind of referred to earlier who basically said this product has changed our family life yeah the particular one was a mum she was a single mum who had a seven-year-old lad with a form of autism called asperger's very bright lad very anxious really strong on routine but the trouble is he goes to school during the day which is great but after school everything changes the fact that he was now using the board, he could see what happened every single day. He could negotiate with mum what was going to happen. If there was a change to the routine, he would change what was on the board. Every night he would take what he was doing tomorrow after school in the little self-clean pocket and put it on the inside of his bedroom door. He wakes up in the morning, he sees the picture in the pocket, that's what he's doing after school today. And he has a good morning routine. Because he has a good morning routine, he goes to school happy. Because he goes to school happy, he has a good learning day. He enjoys his afternoon and life is stable. And the product that we designed had done that. And that was a ridiculously proud moment. Absolutely fantastic. I think you'll be hard pushed to find the finer ones. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. If people were interested in perhaps like their product development, yep. or like bringing a product to market as such, do you know any kind of individuals or groups or people to follow any resources you found that have been particularly useful to yourself? In terms of resources, I'm a massive fan of a book called The E-Myth. Don't you ever come across it. So if you're looking to set up pretty much any kind of business, generally E these days would be electronic, but it's not. It's the E stands for entrepreneurial. Yeah. And it's about all probably about a 40-year-old book now. And it's all about not getting caught up in the practicalities of your business, but actually setting it up and running it and thinking of it as an entity by itself, 
that you run the business, you work on your business, not in your business, and you systematize your business. So whether it's the production, the packaging, you take that as a little discrete entity and you work on that to make it perfect. You then work on the next little bit of your business. Probably the, the most obvious example is McDonald's, mm. setting aside any particular preferences and quality issues. <laughs> the reason people go to McDonald's is because they know what to expect. They know exactly what it means. And it doesn't really matter where you are in the world. And what the guy who did it realized was, it's all about routines and processes and understanding what it is you do and not being caught up in the business. So if you are, a, as I was before, an IT contractor, when I was working that, then you can't stop being the contractor in order to build the business. So I now work fairly hard at not being drawn in to be the manufacturer, to be the designer. Because if I do that, I stop working on the business and building it and talking to people and going out and finding partnerships and going out to conferences and understanding my marketplace and how autistic is think and so on. So as a resource, the e-myth, I'm sure there are lots of others that have similar sort of story, but the e-myth, because it talks about how to work on your business and how to understand your business. Absolutely awesome. That's on my to listen to on my audible list so i'm looking forward to diving into that one in more depth brilliant a great summary of that as well so if people are interested there'll be a link in the description where you can click and find a, either an audible if it's available yeah or an amazon link to that so just to let the listener know rather than yeah scrambling to write it down if they're running or driving or anything like that <laughs> yeah so that will be there for you and so great recommendation and i think that's absolutely right i think it must be so tempting though to try and do everything yeah and i know that's what's held me up with launching this podcast <laughs> i wanted to like get everything perfect and know how to do every little bit before i actually launched it that's not quite mutually exclusive mm. by which i mean so i'll do the same thing i will learn how facebook advertising works i'll learn how linkedin works i'll learn how the boards are made and then step back. I want to understand how the process works, but always with that sort of one step removed. If you don't understand it, then somebody else can make bad decisions for you and convince you to do things you don't really want to do because you don't understand. Mm -hmm. But always with that, I'm understanding it in order to manage it. Absolutely. I don't want to be the guy who's actually doing the Facebook advertising, but I really want to understand what the other person is doing. Yeah, so they're not pulling the wool over your eyes as such. It's, Absolutely. You know how it works, but you don't necessarily spend the time doing that particular task. Yeah. That's absolutely sound. Fantastic resource there that you suggested, Neil. Thank you for sharing that. Over your journey, has there been any kind of wise words or quotes that you've kind of used to get you through when you've been in the more challenging times, perhaps? Anything that you've uh, clung on to that you could share with the listener? Probably not. So I was born with a service ethic. I didn't kind of earn it or work for it or whatever. I was just born with that. Similarly, I have a very strong religious Christian faith. And part of that is serving other people. I appreciate there are lots of people who serve others who, who, don't, who aren't Christian, who don't have any kind of faith. But for me, that kind of drives me on. The fact that I have a child with learning disabilities, 
I have a very strong, happy family. I have a lot of friends. If you set things up the right way, then those challenges end up being much smaller and less important. So I suppose the roundabout answer is a sense of perspective that the challenges in work, as we all get, are only challenges in work. They're kind of important, really. But if I leave this company, the company is not going to go under. They're not really going to care too much. They'll get somebody else. However, that's quite important for me as an individual. So keeping that perspective on the end game, keeping that perspective on family, on friends, colleagues, yeah, they kind of matter. But to be honest, they probably don't think that much more of me. So you have that kind of attitude of what's really important in life. And then those challenges just get smaller to the point where you just don't lose sleep over them. Or at least I don't lose sleep over them. No, I think that's sound advice and something that at one stage, I remember when I was back in the days when I I went back to retail and I'd been there for a few years and found myself getting a bit attached to the job that I was in and the company that I worked for. And then suddenly I just realized that like, if I left, they'd get a replacement for me and like not brainwashed, but I'd like bought into into that kind of system. And and I think that's absolutely brilliant advice for it. It can be too easy to think of, oh, you know, if I left, what would happen? Or people are relying on me and in the nicest possible way, the world will continue turning. Yeah. It's not going to like fall apart. And yeah. and as much as like you enjoy the company of those people, they will find a way to carry on. Yeah, they'll fill that little slot in their life that was you. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Of course, as a, I'm intending to be an employer, I, of course, won't have that attitude and that I will make all the wise decisions uh, in favour of my employees. And that's genuinely, I hope to do that. Mm. I'm just not quite so daft as to, re- as to think that they may have that same view of our boards as I do. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's that Richard Branson saying, isn't it, that you treat people well enough to make them want to stay and not... Yeah, absolutely. Not just treat them as a number that's fulfilling your particular need. That is so much more than a salary. Yeah. It goes down to trivial decisions that so many companies. I was watching a post the other day from a, from a furniture company, office furniture, and it was pointing out how many people's office chairs are 100, 120 quid tops. And actually, those are people who are earning you know, tens of thousands of pounds in salary. Their worth to the company and what they're bringing in or whatever is potentially millions of pounds, and they get a 120 quid chair. So it's more to do with what actually, how do you value your employees in terms of their health? The fact that we require people to work till six, seven, eight o'clock when we pay them till half five. Yep. And the truth is that that's because the board or the management won't employ enough people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I say this, come back to me and quote this at me in a year's, two years time. <laughs> you know, it should be that the door closes at half five and everyone goes home. Yeah. I think pretty much in any organization, the culture comes from the top. And one of the things that I'm personally slightly struggling with at the moment is if I want to do that for my employees, then actually I need to start doing that now. Yeah. You need to lead from the front. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've at least got as far as recognition that I'm struggling. (laughs) (laughs) Something that you can work on. (laughs) Yeah brilliant stuff well i thank you once again for such a fascinating insight to your world neil and our boards and 
absolute pleasure listening to your journey i hope that the listener has taken away something really valuable because you've had such a, a great story and given a great reflection on things to consider if you were to leave the listener with one last piece of advice or one last thought from yourself what would that be to strive for contentment not what the world gives not money not house not car but to strive for family friends contentment absolutely brilliant yeah no thanks once again for appearing on the show and all the best to you in the future and speak to you soon absolute pleasure thoroughly enjoyed it nice to talk to you so what a fantastic episode i'm sure you'll agree neil has got an absolutely inspiring story i love his outlook on life i love the advice that he was sharing there about his lifestyle managing his work and his life and equally not overstretching himself financially I hope that you found this of value. If you haven't yet already, don't forget to subscribe to be updated with new episodes. And if you're interested in his company, then be sure to check out the show notes where I leave a link to our boards and you can find out more information about his awesome product that he's released. Thanks once again to Neil for appearing on the show. And until next time, I hope this has helped you on your journey to get work savvy. Take care and speak to you soon. <laughs>